You're listening to Living Faith, the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. First Baptist Church is located at 100 North Lake Avenue in Avon Park, Florida. We meet Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. for Sunday school and 10.45 a.m. for morning worship. Sunday evening services are at 6 p.m. On Wednesday, we meet at 6 p.m. for our weekly Bible study along with our immersive student and children's ministries. Find out more at www.fbcap.net or give us a call at 863-453-6681. You can email us at info at fbcap.net. We'd love to connect with you soon. This is part of our current Sunday morning sermon series, Look and Live, Life and Light in the Gospel of John. the New Testament book of John, the sixth chapter, John chapter six, beginning there in verse 22, we begin a section of scripture and I know that it will take me a couple of weeks to walk through all of the conclusion of John chapter six, so I know that we will not finish up this morning and It's kind of fitting that we're on a passage of Scripture dealing with the bread of life. And we're observing communion this morning, the Lord's Supper. So I would just simply submit to you this morning, if you are here, and you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, I want to encourage you uh, to come and participate in the Lord's Supper with us when we come to that time of the service. We're here to remember the body of the Lord Jesus Christ and what his body and his sacrifice means to us. We're here to reflect, remember, and to embrace the shed blood of our Savior for our sin. And so we come today to acknowledge who Christ is and to acknowledge what Christ has done for us. So if you have come to Christ as your Lord and Savior and you have repented of your sin and you've placed your faith in Christ, we are here to worship and adore Him and to remember what that means to us as believers. And as we enter into John chapter 6, beginning there in verse 22, we begin a, a section of Scripture where Christ is saying, I am the bread of life. The idea of bread means many things. In the Jewish culture, that word bread was the substance of everything that they were. When you thought about bread, that was your your livelihood and your food and the basic necessities of life was, was bread. If we think about it from the context of where we are in John chapter 5 and 6, there's reference to the manna that Moses provided through God to the nation of Israel and what Jesus Christ is saying to the Jews is, I am much greater than Moses. And I and the bread of life am much greater than the Moses bread of the manna. In fact, that bread merely pointed to who I am as Jesus Christ, the bread of life. And so as we look at this text, we understand in verse 35 that Jesus is the bread of life. But yet, just as the Jews would have been, and there's probably 
some of us here this morning, they acknowledge that there is a need, they acknowledge that there is a want, there is an acknowledge that there is a, a void, but they cease to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is that that provides that greatest satisfaction. What is keeping the people of Israel, what is keeping the Jews in John chapter 6 from embracing Jesus Christ for who he is, is the same thing that is keeping you from embracing who Jesus Christ is as the bread of life. Let's go to God's word this morning and see for ourselves. John chapter 6 verse 22, on that day, now this would have been the day after he would have fed the 5,000. And he fed the 5,000. You remember that he was going away onto the other side of the sea to get away and to pray as he journeyed to the cross. And so as he traveled, because there had been so many things taking place, a great crowd followed Jesus. And as he was up on the mount to pray, he could literally see the masses coming around the lake. And so we, we learned last two weeks ago that Jesus met their needs as he fed up to 20,000 of them. And he sends the disciples away as he again seeks solitude to pray. The Gospels teach us, and it was on that sea that day that, that Jesus walked on that water and he, he showed the disciples that he is greater than anything that Moses could have done as Moses parted the seas and walked on dry land, that Jesus himself walked on top of that water to prove his lordship and his sovereignty to those that are his. So put yourself in, in the multitude's situation. They are fed by food. There are 20,000 of them. There are 5,000 men, wife and children, up to 20,000. They see the boat leave with the disciples. They see Jesus go up to the mount to pray. And the next day, they, they journey to where they saw the boat go, and they see Jesus standing there. And he just fed us on a handful of bread and fish now he's automatically gone from the mountain over here and there would have been so many questions that were going on in their mind so on the next day the crowd remained on the other side of the sea they saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with the disciples but that his disciples had gone away alone other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after that and given thanks so when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. Key thought, seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, where did you come from? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, listen, listen, important, important. Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate and you got your fill of the loaves. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Verse 28, then they said to him, what must we do to be doing this works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who sent me. 
So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven, but my father. Interesting. They said their fathers ate of the bread. Jesus said, my father gave the bread. My father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall never hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst again. Let's bow in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you gave your life on that cross so that whoever comes to you shall never hunger and never thirst again. If they come in repentance and faith, if they come to the cross, they will never hunger and thirst again. We thank you for the gospel, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your word this morning. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, if Jesus Christ, here's the question, if Jesus Christ is who he says he is, if Jesus Christ is the bread of life, then why are so many of us never satisfied? Why are so many of us pursuing so diligently the things of earth And not the things of heaven. Just as real to the Jewish people then. Such a a contrast. It's such a contrast today. He is the bread of life. But yet we are so preoccupied with the things of the earth. Jesus answered their questions. And I believe that in those three answers, Jesus is also answering our questions this morning. The first question dealt with their seeking. We are seeking, but what are we seeking for? They asked Jesus, how did you get over here? Don't you just love Jesus? (laughs) Amen. Amen. He didn't answer their question. He dealt with their heart. I just wish I had this. We fill in the blank. I wish if I just had this, I would be happy. If my this would do that, if my job would do this, if my spouse, if my job, if my thing, if my children, if any, we fill in the blank. They came to Jesus and said, Jesus, tell us how you got over here. And he said, I'm going to tell you something different. Truly, truly, listen, listen. We are seeking, but we are seeking the wrong thing. 
Notice what Christ said. They were seeking. They came seeking Jesus. And when they found him, they asked him how he got there. Verse 26, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, because you ate and you're fill of the loaves. You're seeking me not because of who I am. You're seeking me because of that thing I provided. And so just like them, we're very bad about that. The signs, the seven signs, the seven miracles that Christ performed in the New Testament, in John's Gospel, were to point to who he was. I can remember being little and driving uh, south to Florida. We would, you know, we'd go to Florida. I knew we were getting close when I would begin to see the the moths growing in the trees. Isn't that funny how you can remember, uh, you know, what, wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be strange if we were going to Florida on vacation and we drive down and I begin to see the moss in the trees and I see the welcome to Florida sign and the back, little, back in the days of station wagons? I often wonder why we're all alive. We didn't have seat belts in the back. Our parents just put us in the back and we rode in the back and had wrestling matches all the way to Florida. So wouldn't it be, be kind of silly to pull over at the sign and we all get out at the sign? And take our picture, the sign of Florida, and then we get in our cars and go back home? Wouldn't that be weird? What'd y'all do? We went to the sign. No, the, the sign is telling you what's ahead. That miracle was pointing toward who I am. And Jesus said, you're seeking the wrong thing. You're seeking what I did for you. You're seeking your self-satisfaction and your physical needs being met. You're, you're, you're seeking the wrong thing. Yes, I provided food for you, but I didn't provide food for you so that you would always have food. I provided food for you so that you would see that I am God. Man can't do this. Only God can. I did this to you to show you in your old covenant law-abiding way. I am greater than Moses. Grace is greater than the law. I am God. That is why I did this. But they were seeking that which had filled them. Truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me not because of what I did. You're seeking me because of what what I gave you. They were seeking that which they knew they needed. They were were seeking the physical. They were seeking the temporal. They were seeking that stuff. I wonder how many of us this morning are seeking those types of things. I'm going to come to church today, but if I don't have a good week, I'm not coming back next week. You know, I'm gonna, I'll, give, I'll give Jesus a try and see if it doesn't help my marriage. I, I'm going to do, and there's nothing wrong with doing those things. But if all we are seeking is these things, I call them, the, the things I have, these things that we're doing out here, it's a heart issue. Instead of seeking those things that are good of themselves, Why don't we seek the one that has given us all these things? 
Instead of seeking those, that, that job, that relationship, that this, that that, we're, we're seeking all of those things. What we need to be seeking is a Savior and a Redeemer that will save us and cleanse us and make us whole. I use the example a lot with dating. I, I, I'm, not a, I, I'm not a dating guy. Sharon says amen. I've just never been a dating guy. I mean, you know, don't date. I think it's about silly and my favorite word is goofy. We're dating. I love her. I call her once a week, but we're really involved in a relationship. You can tell. And I think as you get old and you, you grow and you mature and you're ready for that, you almost can really tell when it's there. My son, example, I'm just... One, one uh, 24 hour period, well, three day period, let's say that. Let's, let's give it a four day period. Let me give my facts straight. On this, on this day, I'm called to celibacy and singleness. Y'all get that? I'm just going to be single and just single and be a, 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 a missionary for Jesus and be single and never have a woman in my life. I'm, I'm okay with that. I was like, well, son, that's good, but, you know, you're only 24. Monday, he met Katie. I've changed my mind. <laughs> Amazing what happens when you really meet that one, right? I mean, that's a, that's a superficial, worldly example of that. We don't seek after Jesus just to meet some need. We come to Christ because he's all that we need. You know, we, we proclaim the gospel, we sing the gospel, we share the gospel because there's a, a need that we have. Our, our sins need to be forgiven, but there's more to it than that. And, and I have to admit, I am guilty of sometimes of just preaching your sins need to be forgiven. Listen, if my sins are forgiven, that's great, but that's part of it. Not only are my sins forgiven, but I am clothed with His righteousness. It is not that now I can go to heaven because my sins are forgiven. No, my, my sins are forgiven and I am clothed with his righteousness and I am his and I live for him and I follow him. It is a, a relationship. It is something that we are involved with. It is something that we want to be involved with. Jesus said, listen, I, you're seeking me, but you're seeking for the bread. You're seeking the things here that are temporal. Moses' bread was temporal. Moses' bread was based on law. Moses' bread was to show you that this manna is going to rot after a 24-hour period. And every day you have to gather the manna in the wilderness. But my bread is eternal. And if you come to me, you'll be fed forever. It's not about coming to church and coming to something. It is about seeking and coming to Christ. And when you get there, you never want to leave. Amen? Well, I'm a Christian and, you know, I just, you know, go to church when I can. And 
No, I am Christ and I am his and his body and his blood was shed on a cross for me and now I am his. But you've got to seek after the right thing. You've got to seek Jesus Christ for who he is. That's why we preach Jesus Christ for who he is. That's why we preach the gospel. That's why we sing the gospel. That's why we share the gospel. We want people to see Jesus Christ for who he is and what he has come to do and what that means to us. Secondly, look at verse 27. Do not labor for the food that perishes. That word labor literally means to work, to complete a task. And so they were literally working their way under the old law, obeying the law. I am working my way to please God. And Jesus says, do not labor for the food that perishes. But for the food that endures to eternal life. It says, do not labor for that which perishes, but in labor, work for that which endures to eternal life. And that only the Son of Man can give you, only the Jesus Christ can give you. As we, as we labor, we labor for the wrong things. We are, we're literally working ourselves to death. Now, here's some practical pastoral things I deal with. Now, just think about it from my perspective. Let's just think about from me. Okay, here's, here's John. I'm the pastor. How many people would say this? Pastor, if I, w- I really am trying to get to church. And I'm not trying to be legalistic. I'm really trying to get to church. But gosh, we just work so hard during the week. Pastor, if, whew, if I was not so tired, if I didn't have to work so hard, if I wasn't so busy with everything... I would get up in the morning and spend time in the Word. I'm just not a morning person because I'm up so late doing stuff. Can you imagine telling? that? That's kind of what Jesus is going through. So in Jesus' mind, he's saying, okay, you're laboring for the wrong thing. You're laboring for food that perishes. You're, you're working yourself to death following the law, which the law was pointing to Christ and his coming. Now Christ is standing there and Christ is saying, quit laboring for the law and labor for me. We'll get to what laboring is. And I think about that today. We do so many things and we labor and we labor and we labor. We're laboring for the good things, but we're not laboring for the best things. Our laboring, we're we're working ourselves to death, but we're not working on the right thing. Notice what Christ says. Jump ahead a little bit, look at verse 28. Then they said to him, what must we do the works of God? And Jesus said, this is the work of God, believe on him whom he has sent. So Jesus said, all right, you're laboring for the wrong thing. Quit laboring for this stuff. Even if it's good, that's not your main labor. Your main labor for them was quit laboring after the things of Moses and the law. I am the fulfillment of the law. I am the redeemed son of God. I am Jesus. I am the Messiah. I am Christ, the anointed one. This is what laboring for me is. This is the works of God. Believe on him who he has sent. What does that mean for us today? The same thing. 
Quit laboring for everything else and labor on him who he has sent. Believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is Savior and he is Lord. If you want to work on something, work on faith in Jesus Christ, in Christ alone. So many of us here this morning, we, we're good at working, we're good at laboring. Are we laboring at the feet of Jesus Christ? He said, I'm the bread of life. You're, you're seeking, but you're seeking the wrong thing. You know, it's kind of like they're walking with their head down. Look up. We're walking around with our head down. We're, we're looking at the things of the earth, and Jesus is saying, hey, look up. Have a, have a heavenly perspective. We're working ourselves to death. We're, we're seeking after satisfaction in the wrong places and we're laboring and we're laboring and we're laboring and we're laboring in good things. But those good things mean nothing if we don't have Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord. And if He is a Savior and our Lord, don't you think He'll allow us to have the good things? And He'll show us what the best things are. See, they, they prided themselves on their work. And you notice in, in, the, in the New Testament, that is what they always bragged about. The Jews always bragged about, well, look what we're doing for God. Look how busy we are. Look at the things that we are doing. And Jesus several times condemned them about not their works, not these things. Jesus said, give me your heart. And if, you, if I have your heart, these things will take care of themselves. When you love Jesus Christ and you have submitted your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, he will give you the desires of your heart and you will do these things better than you could ever do them for. But only when you yield to who Christ is. You're seeking, but you don't know what you're seeking for. You're laboring. You don't know what you're laboring for. And I love this word. I, I, I skipped it. I want to come back to it. Look right there at verse 29. This is the work of, of, of God. I'm sorry, verse 27. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. So Christ is saying, listen, you're laboring for the wrong things. You're laboring for the works of the law. You're laboring for these things. Labor for me. Laboring and working for me is placing your faith in who I am. And God has set, the Father has set his seal on it. watching a movie just the other week I don't even know the name of the movie but I, I remember the movie of something to do with knights I love knights and historical stuff and the king was sending a letter and uh, you know he said oh, now, to the courier send this he, he took the wax and he put it on the letter and he took his seal and, and he told the guy listen this thing's open when you get there you're dying He got on his horse, and so can you imagine him riding up to another kingdom? And he said, oh, by the way, whew, the king said, and they would have looked at this guy like, well, who in the world are you? I, I was sent by the king. Well, no, that would have no authority. But when he got off the horse and he went, the king said. They picked that letter up and he looked at it and goes, yes, he did say. That's his seal. That's his signet.
Jesus Christ is saying, my Father has set his seal on me. It is authentic. It is absolutely authoritative. And I am his. When he was baptized, remember what happened? It said the Spirit descended upon Jesus. I think there's a picture of that. In his baptism, that Jesus came out of the water and it said that the Spirit of God descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, this is my Son whom I am well pleased. Can you imagine that? I think that was a real voice, by the way. This is my son. I always think, what would it have been like to have been sitting there going, what in the world was that? This is my son. So we literally have the sovereign God, the suffering servant, Savior, Lord, Master of the universe in our midst saying, I am who he says I am. I am Jesus. And I died on a cross for your sin. If you will repent of your sin and place your faith and come to me, you will be saved. And you will have a life that you have never had before. But when you come, leave everything you had behind because I'm going to fill you with all that is great and glorious. And I wonder why so many times people will hear that message and not come and continue to labor and labor and labor. But they're laboring on the wrong works. And the works that we need to be laboring over is belief and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the great thing about Christ is we don't just kind of meet Christ and go on our merry way. We come to Christ and guess what we do the rest of our life? We follow him and we acknowledge him and we worship him and we praise him. I had a guy in our high school that was a tough dude in high school and I had an older sister that people thought was pretty so all the older guys would tolerate me because they thought they had a chance at my sister and I can remember to this day I hung out with him and I was 110 pounds ringing wet and I'd run my mouth and get in tough situations and go, I'm with him. <laughs> and to this day people said, you're lucky somebody didn't kill you. You're right, I'm with him. You just, just got to know who you're with. Hey, I'm with him. Why do you do what you do? How do you do what you do? I don't know. I'm with him. I do know I'm with him. And everything I have, I owe to him. How do you have peace? How do you have joy? How do you have these things? I just get them from him. You want direction? Follow him. You want peace? Follow him. But we're laboring over the wrong things. Some of the things we labor over are good things, but we're laboring over the not the best thing. Quit working yourself to death over the things of the earth and come to Christ. And then it says in verse 30, What sign do we do that we may believe you? What work do you perform? 
we're seeking and we're laboring. You're coming, but you're not coming to the right Jesus. We're willing to try different things and do different things. Notice what the text says there in verse 30. So they said to him, then what sign do we need to see and believe? What, what work do you perform? Silly, silly, uh, just popped in my mind a phone call I got one time. Hey, preacher, this is so-and-so, so-and-so. If I join your church, what can I do and not do? And I remember thinking, Lord, help us that we're, we're turning what moral thing? Okay, I'm, 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 I'm considering this religious movement thing. I'm, I'm considering it's like we're joining a civic club. I'll join your club. What can I do and not do? I'm going to give Jesus a try, but what, did I need? what does that look like? What do I need to do and what not to do? Okay, I'm a, the Jews said, okay, tell me what works do I need to do then? All right, here's my checklist. What, what works do I need to do? Jesus said, here's the works. You're seeking and you're laboring. Come to me. Just come to me. And the Jews said, what sign? Because you've got to be able to prove who you are. I, mean, that, I always jokingly say this. I'm proud to be Baptist. These were Baptist people, I'm telling you. They were Jews. They were the first Jewish Baptist church in Jerusalem, okay? <laughs> what sign do you do to prove this? I just fed 20,000 people with two pieces of bread. I just walked on water. I mean, that's like today. Prove it. Like it's my job to prove to you who Jesus is. Listen, he's already proven who he is. You're either receiving or rejecting. That's on you, not me. Prove it. Step outside right now and he's proved it. Romans 1 says that because of creation he has proved it. Just show me one more sign. And I mean, and so it was funny because this is what the Jews did. These lost people's arguments are funny to me. So the Jews said, prove it. My fathers, meaning the, the, the Jerusalem Jewish fathers, my fathers had bread sent from heaven for 40 years. That's a sign. If I'd have been Jesus, I'd have just thrown leprosy on all of them. Y'all better be glad I'm not Jesus. Amen. Y'all, it would be, it'd be rough. Jesus goes, my father gave the bread to your fathers. What more proof do we need? God the Father, God the Spirit, God the Son. That you are searching for that one more, prove it, proves to me that you know you're lost. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave your bread to the fathers. I added fathers there. But my father gives you the true bread. 
from the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Sir, give us this bread. And they still didn't understand. Always. Give us this bread. We don't want manna bread in the Old Testament. We want bread to last forever. They didn't get it. And then Jesus says, and I said, well, it'll take another week or so to finish this. Verse 35, and Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He is the bread of life. And he says, come. I'm going to ask our deacons to come forward at this time and begin to prepare our table for the Lord's Supper. I wanted to have our our time of the Lord's Supper as part of the message. And then in a few moments, we're going to sing about the glory and the power of the cross. If you are a believer, if you have followed through with baptism, there's two ordinances that we observe as a biblical church here. Baptism and the Lord's Supper. The two things that you could see the early church lived out and carried on with. If if you are here today as a believer and you have followed through with baptism, meaning you have publicly professed your faith in Christ, Whether you're a member of our church or not, I want you to know you are more than welcome to participate with us. We distribute the bread, and then after everyone has gotten the bread, we we partake at the same time. We we hand out the, the juice and significance of the blood, and then after everyone has it, we participate together. But after we go and observe and remember and worship and adore, there's going to be a time of contemplation and decision as we sing as we pass these elements and we pray and we read scripture I'm going to ask you a question now do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior it's a simple question have you committed your life to him have have you been seeking and laboring and going and coming to everything else but to just Christ In Christ alone, that's the question. He shed his blood on the cross for our sin. He gave his perfect sinless body on that cross. He fulfilled the righteousness of God and he died on that cross. And and if we believe in him, he, as I said, he clothes us with that righteousness. He forgives us of our sin. He did that. And that's what the Father sent him to do. Do you know Christ in this way? Lord, as we transition to this time of reverence and worship and remembering and adoring, let us never forget the agony of the cross. Let us never forget the the ugliness of the cross. 
But let us never forget the joy of the cross. Bleeding and dying and suffering that day. You proclaimed it is finished. You fulfilled the old law. You fulfilled the old covenant. And you made all things new so that we might come and we might believe. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for doing that for us. And this we pray in your name, Lord. Amen.